Hey everybody, it's Monday, March 2nd, 2020, and you're listening to a Scrap Story episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Ezelike, and while we normally talk about car news, car culture, car whatever, uh, these Scrap Story episodes are meant to be a little bit more of a short-form, open-ended thing. Uh, Today, it's mostly just going to be an assembly of things that are going on because, well, uh, as much as things seem to be together in the car world, uh, things inevitably fall apart. Uh, We are seeing that in some ways, shapes, and form, as we've talked about on the show with the coronavirus. Uh, There are production issues in China with wiring harnesses, mechanical parts, uh, actual vehicles not being able to be shipped elsewhere, Uh, and it's been pretty bad. China seems to be be leveling out, maybe, potentially, with coronavirus concerns, but uh, infections have been spreading to South Korea, Italy, uh, as well as here to the United States. And there are a lot of ongoing concerns going on with uh, not just the car industry, but the tech industry, uh, video games, arts, so on and so forth. Uh, There was news at least today, that Twitter is pulling out of South by Southwest, with put, which puts in a lot of concern as to whether or not South by Southwest will even be happening. Uh, GDC seems to be all but canceled at this point uh, in San Francisco. Uh, there was Mobile World Congress in Spain that was canceled. Uh, and at least in terms of the car world, the Geneva Auto Show was canceled uh, as of the end of last week. Uh, so we're sort of slowly seeing a trickle of news uh, based on announcements that would have been coming from the Geneva Auto Show, which is kind of sort of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to kind of touch on a couple different subjects as we run around the table. Uh, so the first of which is, uh, well, what? A new Morgan sports car, uh, a new Morgan sports car was supposed to be debuting in Geneva. Uh, Apparently the engineers had driven it down from the UK uh, to the show. They were going to show it off and then they were going to drive it back. Well, now they're making an announcement out of the drive back. They still haven't shown off the official vehicle quite yet. Uh, It has been quote unquote known for a while that Morgan is working on an all new platform uh, for a sports car, a much more modern sports car, one that loses a lot of the wood construction uh, and basically forces the company to join the 21st century. Uh, My big question is whether or not it's going to be electric powered. Uh, Would it be using the powertrain from the uh, BMW i3 at all? Uh, Remains to be seen, but uh, until they make their final official announcement, uh, we won't really know. But nevertheless, always an exciting time for gearheads who like old school performance cars. Uh, Morgans are ridiculously cool. Uh, I've only seen one or two in my lifetime, so uh, to see an all-new one coming out uh, is pretty exciting. One of the other interesting announcements that came out ahead of the Geneva show and was meant to be shown off to the public fully at Geneva was the Citroën Ami. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that completely incorrectly because I'm a big, dumb American who doesn't speak French, Uh, but the French idea of motoring uh, has many different levels to it. Obviously, there are, you know, crazy wrench or French wrench uh, performance cars, motorsport, all that. You know, they've got the history of Bugatti, obviously Peugeot and Renault doing their different things with Formula One and uh, the WEC and so much. Uh, There are also the normal cars, in air quotes, that always have their interesting French character. I I often describe French cars as being... uh, 
artistic American cars. And by that I mean they have a very soulful style in engineering, uh, but in the end they are very softly sprung and very comfortable to ride and drive in, uh, much like American cars are. So that's always a cool thing. Uh, but this Ami kind of hits that lower point where in Europe, and I guess in particular in France, there is a classification of automobiles that you are able to buy into that you do not need a license to operate. Uh, you can drive as young as the age of 14, uh, and they're often used on rural roads in many places across Europe. Uh, these classifications have been able to expand in different ways over the more recent years uh, through things like the Renault Twizy. Um, if you don't remember what the Twizy is, it's kind of a two-seat uh, electric runabout, is maybe a nice way to put it. Uh, it's smaller than a Smart 4-2. Uh, I believe the people sit uh, inboard, so one in front of the other. Uh, and it's, you know, meant to be basic commuting. Uh, there's no heating or cooling in the car. The windows do all go up and down. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's basically something that's going to get you a lot further than you can run or bike in a much more uh, speedy manner. Uh, the Twizy, uh, I believe, is still in production under the Renault banner. Uh, we did see some Nissan-branded ones come to the United States for a short time. I think they were deployed in California. Really, that was about it. Uh, but this Ami is meant to be a much more car-like experience. So, uh, again, think of something kind of like the Smart 4-2. It is a side-by-side two-seat vehicle with some very, very small storage space, probably enough for a backpack or two. Uh, this car is meant to be driven in low-speed, stop-and-go speeds in large urban areas, so think Paris, France. Uh, I believe the car has an electric range of like 50 miles uh, and has a top speed of 38 miles an hour. So basically, you can drive it at uh, city speeds and that's it. The other novel thing about this car is that apparently they're quite cheap to produce and they're very cheap to sell. Citroën's going to be selling these things for $6,000 in Europe, which is... Uh, obviously quite cheap, especially when you don't need a license to operate it, and you could be as young as the age of 14 to do so. Uh, just the same, uh, these things are going to be very cheap to lease. Citroen is saying as cheap as $22 a month. Uh, these cars also charge on a three-pin connector, so you'd basically plug them into a standard outlet, uh, and they would probably not take too long to top off. Uh, given that they are so low in weight, uh, the motor is not particularly powerful, it's extremely limited in speed, uh, I would fathom a guess that a charge from 0 to 100 probably takes less than four hours uh, which is, all things considered, pretty good. Uh, it's definitely a mobility solution that I think has legs, especially in Europe. Here in the U.S., it's a little bit hard to, mm, I don't want to say understand, but, you know, if, given the extreme temperatures that so many parts of this country have throughout the year, uh, it would be very difficult to operate this car uh, anywhere other than, like, you know, Florida, uh, California, maybe some parts of Texas, maybe the lowlands in Denver. Uh, there's just not really a good way to have something like this here uh, if the temperatures don't stay steady around the uh, 50 to 70 uh, range. So 
we'll see what ends up happening with this. Of course, you know, Peugeot, PSA, uh, the parent company of Citroën, purchased uh, FCA, that'd be Chrysler here in the U.S. Um, never say never in terms of it coming here, but uh, the likelihood of it doing that anytime soon seems fairly unlikely. But, uh, you know, this thing seems to be able to fly under a lot of different restrictions uh, when it comes to cars. So, again, you know, Nissan brought the Twizy here uh, for a very short amount of time. We could end up seeing something like this here as well. Now, speaking of... PSA and FCA, uh, there are some small announcements coming out of Peugeot, or excuse me, uh, out of FCA, specifically out of their Italian brands, uh, the first of which is an all-new GTA from Alfa Romeo, at least that seems to be what people think that it is. Uh, the GTA has been a long-running uh, sports coupe and sedan in the Alfa Romeo lineup. Uh, this one would be based on the current Guglia, uh, so twin-turbo Ferrari-developed uh, V6, uh, making over 500 horsepower in the current quadrifolio. This thing's probably going to be closer to 600, I would bet. Um, this thing's going to have much more radical bodywork, at least in the leaked images. It has a very aggressive front uh, splitter, a very large rear wing, uh, all being considered, or all things being considered, uh, probably very fast and very fun to drive, especially when the Quadrifoglio was already so good. Uh, but, you know, production numbers will probably be quite limited, prices will probably be quite expensive, and I'm sure repairs will make it almost undrivable. So, you know, typical Alfa Romeo fare. Uh, the other announcement coming out of FCA that would have been at Geneva is an all-new Fiat 500. This new 500 appears to be on an all-new platform with all-new exterior and interior styling. Uh, and really, that's all we know so far. Uh, the model that was going to be shown was a convertible, so it was a 500C, but it was a 500CE or EC. Anyway, uh, it seems to be the guess by a lot of people that this new 500 is going to be electric only in many parts of the world. Uh, there is a good chance that it, at least in terms of the platform, is engineered to accept an internal combustion engine, but in many markets it won't be sold that way simply because uh, demands are changing, people seem to be more accepting of affordable electric cars, and the previous Fiat 500D was a pretty well-liked car uh, in many parts of the world, especially here in the U.S., uh, whether or not we end up seeing this new 500 in the U.S. seems to be, uh, well, it's a big question mark, to say the least. A big, giant, flashing neon question mark. Uh, the 500 is being pulled from the U.S. for the 2020 model year, uh, and we are, well... <clears throat> uncertain as to the future of fiat here in the U.S., to say the least. Uh, the article that I'd read online talking about this leak uh, seemed to be guessing that the Centoventi, uh, which was a concept, I think, last year at Geneva, uh, might be the production version that we end up seeing in the United States. Uh, the Centoventi is kind of meant to be the replacement for the Panda in many markets across the world and would likely be uh, a model maybe using the Centoventi name here in the U.S., uh, it's a boxy, uh, four-seat, compact car, uh, electric compact car. The novel idea about the concept was that it has modular batteries where you could, you know, equip it out of the gate with, like, a very, very small battery to save on price. You know, again, kind of thinking of the Citroen Ami, you would be able to drive, you know, maybe less than 100 kilometers a day. Uh, maybe you would need more kilometers, and so you'd buy a second battery or a third battery and eventually get it up to 300 kilometers, which is, what, 180-mile range? Uh, eventually, you know, building up the price, of course, in that whole subset of things. Uh, 
really a lot of question marks because with, you know, Geneva not happening, uh, a lot of announcements are kind of being left on the table. Uh, they just haven't been spread around the way that they had planned yet. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little while until we know about either one of these FCA products. Uh, two other news things to kind of touch on that are... Uh, worth mentioning, one is uh, some stories coming out of a Volvo dealership conference. Uh, Volvo apparently is going to be having two new crossovers coming to market in the next year or so. Uh, the first of which is going to be what they're calling an XC100. That, of course, would imply that it's a step beyond the current XC90. Uh, this XC100 is, uh, at least according to the person that they talked to from this dealership conference, uh, something that would compete against the Range Rover Velar, uh, the Rolls-Royce Cullinan, the Bentley Bentayaga, uh, being quite large, very luxurious, uh, using a lot of the styling and technology that you'd expect from Volvo uh, with the Swedish engineering, uh, Swedish, you know, eye for design and comfort that goes beyond what so many other car makers seem to be able to do. Uh, so I would guess it's probably going to be based on the same platform as the XC90. It's probably going to use the same uh, engine technology from the XC90 T8, where it's the turbocharged, supercharged hybrid uh, variant with four-wheel drive. I mean, I just imagine it's just going to be an XC90 plus more. So again, We'll have to wait and see what exactly ends up coming of that. The other crossover announcement is that they're going to be doing some kind of sub-XC40 effort. Uh, the XC40, of course, is their smallest uh, crossover currently on offer here in the United States. It's also relatively affordable, uh, right around you know thirty dollars to $40,000, depending on what options you get. Um, this new sub-sized model would be based on the same architecture as the XC40, likely use the same powertrains, so a uh, turbocharged inline-four or uh, with front-wheel drive or a turbocharged inline-four with all-wheel drive uh, with a more coupe-like, car-like body with a little bit of a lower ride height. Uh, they're calling it an XC30 in some respects, uh, basically uh, you know, implying the smaller size all things considered, uh, or calling it a new C30. Uh, the C30, of course, was the really sexy, drop-dead gorgeous uh, Volvo Coupe that was based on the same platform as the Mazda 3 and the European second-generation Ford Focus. Uh, bringing back the C30 would be an unexpected move from Volvo, to say the least, uh, but doesn't seem particularly likely when we don't even have the S40 to begin with. So... It's kind of a mix of different things about what exactly this new small crossover is. I would be totally down with the idea of an XC30 being, you know, basically an XC40 with a more coupe-like body style, with a little bit lower of a ride height, uh, you know, at a much more affordable price. Maybe getting into those high $20,000 price ranges. Uh, that seems to be a smart idea to Mr. Brad here, but... Uh, it's going to be at least another year or so, I think, until we know what exactly is going on with Volvo. Um, you know, I'd love to see a new small car come out of Volvo, uh, something that's definitely affordable and fuel efficient. But uh, I, I, I don't 100% feel that that's going to be a likely thing. Last bit of news to kind of touch on here before we get into a weird short little rant about coronavirus stuff is that it appears the 2020 Volkswagen e-Golf has been canceled. For United States sale and distribution, the 2019 models, at least what is left of the 2019 models, will be the last of the e-Golfs. Uh, 
if you don't really recall what the e-golf was it was originally a compliance car that was designed for sale in western markets of the united states eventually they began to offer it on sale in i think every state here in the u.s and more or less you know you're taking an mk what is that a seven golf uh you're you know, sticking a battery underneath it with an electric powertrain. And in the end, you know, you get a car that's still equally as fun to drive as a Golf. It looks like a normal Golf. Uh, it acts like a normal Golf with about 150-ish miles of range. Um, you know, they, they didn't really sell particularly well. They had a lot of incentives offered by Volkswagen, federal tax credits, local tax credits. Uh, some people were saying in some parts of the United States, I think it was like Colorado, you could get these things for as cheap as like 17 grand or less in some cases for a brand new car with a warranty that's electric. I mean, it's basically paying for itself uh, in the short term and I think in the long term. Uh, so... You know, if you want to get a Volkswagen e-Golf, uh, I guess the time is now. They're going to probably start promoting the sales of the 2019 and slashing prices to get them out. Uh, Volkswagen of North America was kind of quiet on the whole situation. Apparently, all the 2020 models are being sent to Canada for sale and not going to be sold here in the U.S. Uh, because the MEB architecture cars, that's the uh, the new I guess we're not getting the ID3, but the ID4 eventually later this year. Uh, those cars are coming and they want to clear off dealer lots uh, to be ready for that launch uh, sometime in the near future. So kind of a weird thing. That's kind of the way technology goes. You know, I think these MEB cars are going to be a lot better than the outgoing Golf. It's compromised by being a car designed for, uh, you know, internal combustion engines uh, that were later matched to an electric powertrain. But uh you know, it's the way things work, and I, I can't feel particularly upset, but it's definitely interesting to see them saying, yes, something better is coming, don't worry about it, uh, it'll be here soon. I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of handle the situation. Now, as I mentioned, talking about handling a situation, the ongoing coronavirus stuff is uh, nothing to shake a stick at, and, you know, China has had a lot of issues we talked about on the show where you know, Hyundai, Kia was basically flying private chartered jets into uh, some of the areas around their factories in China to basically fly parts out so that they could make cars uh, in Korea, in the United States and other parts of the world. Because China is building so many pieces of cars uh, and car technology that, uh, you know, the economy really starts to get shaky when one little bit doesn't operate the way it's supposed to. And uh, in the end, the automobile industry is going to start feeling the effects of this in ways that I don't think we can quite fathom yet. Uh, Hyundai Kia, just kind of staying on that little channel there, uh, reported their monthly sales of February uh, for 2020, and they are saying that it is the worst February that they've had, uh, basically since the company really kind of took off in like the 90s. Uh, this year, this sickness, this not quite a pandemic, but we're getting there uh, in South Korea and China and many other parts of the world uh, has really impacted their sales. Uh, you know, think of it this way. If you are sick, if you have a loved one who's sick, if you have uh, someone whose job it is that's, you know, in question, the last thing that you're thinking about is buying a brand new car. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a thing. And if Hyundai Kia you know, a company that has been on an absolute tear when it comes to uh, new car sales 
not just in their home market, not just in the U.S., but all around the world, uh, is feeling the effects of it. Uh, one can only imagine how bad it is for GM, for Ford, for BMW, for Mercedes-Benz, for any of these car companies in Asia uh, and many other parts of the world. Because, you know, of course, you know, there's a lot of fears right now that there's been, you know, the better part of 1,500 plus infections that have gone undiagnosed here in the U.S. already. Uh, there was a thing that was talked about last night on uh, John Oliver's show where uh, the statistics been floated that 40 to 70 percent of Americans will likely have contracted the coronavirus within the next year, uh, whether or not they have severe symptoms. Uh, kind of puts this thing into a dire uh, situation because, you know, we are on the verge of spring. We are on the verge of summer. This is when new cars are announced, when they start getting delivered to automobile dealerships. Uh, these things are critical to, uh, you know, empowering this industry. And in just the same way, uh, if these parts are not being manufactured to be able to build these cars in factories all over the world, uh, and as such, these companies don't have these cars to put on dealer lots to sell that are already in high demand, uh, this is going to be bad, too, uh, because from what I understand, production of the Palisade has now been delayed by up to three uh, weeks, three or four weeks in South Korea. Uh, Hyundai is already three months behind on production of the Palisade for many parts of the United States. Uh, the Telluride uh, is going to be suffering parts shortages, apparently, coming out of China. Uh, that is another vehicle that's already on a three-month wait uh, in many parts of the United States. This is not good. And there is not really a way to get away from this because if, you know, you don't have the parts and you don't have the ability to build the cars and the car salesmen and dealerships don't have the ability to sell those cars, there's a lot of money that's not being moved around in those different ways. And, you know, when that money's not being moved around, that's somebody who's then going to be out of work. That's somebody who's not going to be able to have the buying power to go to the mall or the grocery store or to the whatever. And it just really falls apart. It blows apart. And it gets really scary when you start thinking of it in those terms. And, you know, we're not quite there yet. We're not quite to any kind of tipping point yet. But there's not a plan to solve for really any of this. And that's a kind of scary future to be in. And uh, who knows what will happen? Who knows where things will be at in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months? Uh, who knows where we'll be in a year? Uh, hopefully, out of this entire process, we will learn how to better address the you know, production constraints in some kind of emergency. Uh, we'll be able to understand economics a little bit better and be able to take care of one another in a little bit more of a uh, smart way. But uh, until that, you know, comes to fruition, who knows what'll happen? And that's kind of scary. Anyway, guys, on a bit of a downer note, uh, we're going to end this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast, the Scrap Story episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brett Eslick, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash YSSMAN, and you can follow along with episodes of this show at anchor.fm slash Y, or sorry, I guess it's not YSSMAN, it's at anchor.fm slash salvage title. There are words that you got to get out. That's how you do it. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, if bigger announcements from Geneva come out this week, I'm sure we'll be talking about them later. Uh, I'd like to do another full format episode of the show, but uh, news has been kind of loosey-goosey. So until that happens, 
Uh, We will see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. See you then.